Good evening and welcome to the Online Warriors podcast. Happy 2021. We made it, guys. We did it. We have crossed over. Happy New Year to my co-hosts, Nerdbomber and Tectic. I am Elite 86, of course, and we welcome all of our listeners to a new year full of fresh possibility. How are you guys doing? Doing great, you know. Really looking forward to 2021 and ringing in the new year. Had a nice little break and I'm ready to go, man. Samesies. No podcast break. I mean, we're, we're, we cruised right through. I'm, you no know, rest I'm proud for of the wicked. Let's, yeah, let's take a minute. I mean, no rest for the wicked. We didn't take a single... Guys, we're working tirelessly to bring you online Warriors content. And by working tirelessly, I mean recording and producing one episode a week. <laughs> so thanks for listening. If you are here, if you're a new listener here in 2021, we welcome you. There's a lot of old content you can catch up on if you enjoy this. And if you're a tried and true listener, it's great to have you back. We have some great news topics today to bring us into 2021. We're going to be talking about Quibi, which is a very 2020 topic, but we're going to be digging that one up because there's some business-related news on that front. We're going to be talking about Star Wars The High Republic, which I think we talked about last summer very briefly, but we just got a trailer for that that kind of digs a little bit more into what it's going to be. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then, of course, we also need to talk about this Microsoft news in relation to Windows which I'm not a Windows guy, but hey, I'm going to I'm gonna slog my way through that. But first, let's, let's talk about Quibi. So we found out about two minutes ago, right when we were about to start recording, unless he was joking, Tactic does not know what Quibi is. Not, not to out you, Tactic, but is this true? You don't know what Quibi is, or I guess what Quibi was. It sounds more like an animal. I said, I said what, what's a Quibi? What are these kids these days playing with? What is a Quibi? Well, I'll tell you what a Quibi is before we get into the actual news. So, or a Quibi was, because now it's or, an extinct animal. Right. So oh, Quibi, so was right. if you want to see it that way, sure. What Quibi was, was it was designed to be this mobile streaming platform where content was produced that was designed to be short content. Like, I think the term used was like short movies or like short episodes of TV, things that are five to 10 minutes long that you can watch on your phone when you're like on the bus or something. There's There was a decent amount of star power behind this. I mean, Sophie Turner, Zac Efron, tell me a couple, I have a list here in front of me. Anna Kendrick, Chance the Rapper, Kevin Hart, Liam Hemsworth, many more people were involved in the shooting of Quibi Originals, which were, again, these videos that were designed to be streamed on mobile. If I remember correctly, if you turned your phone sideways, you could view the show in in horizontal mode and it would it would show you more than if you viewed the show in vertical mode if that makes sense on your phone so it was designed explicitly to be mobile content it was designed to be these short bite-sized things and before we get to the news i want to say i didn't get the app i didn't try any I, I think you needed to pay for quibi and that was probably the reason i didn't like get into quibi but i think it's a pretty good idea Can I, I i just I, it might be an unpopular opinion but i can think of many times when I have, I, to use the example I used before, I've been on the bus. And granted, this was pre-COVID times, of course. But on the bus with headphones in, listening to music very absentmindedly. But like, I p- probably could have gotten something out of sitting there and on the 10-minute drive, watching some 10-minute content, either a one-off, like little 10-minute quote-unquote movie or an episode of something with, you know, Kevin Hart in it for good measure. I can see the appeal of that. And this died in April of 2020. I don't know if it died because of COVID and because of everything that was happening in 2020, but I think this is a better idea than it's been given credit for. And, and before we get to the news, Nerdbomber, your response. I was always just a little skeptical. Like, I don't think you're wrong. I honestly think that people do gravitate towards 
needing content when they're commuting or when they have downtime and especially short bites. My only skepticism around this concept when it first came out was that, A, YouTube exists and there's so much content on YouTube that you can get for free that I was worried that their price tag was a little high considering what you were getting because I think it was around the price that you could get Hulu with ads for and you get more content with Hulu than you would out of Quibi. But I do think that it was a semi-decent idea. It was just the timing was so bad because I think it released right before the pandemic hit. And then when we're all stuck at home, I can just pad out into the living room with my computer if I really want to watch something on lunch or something. You know what I mean? And now we're here for the long haul, not the commuter videos. I think if this would have come out maybe either in 2018 or 2019 or heck in a couple years, I think it probably would have been a little bit more successful. Yeah, I, I like on you're right about YouTube, first of all. I think what Quibi would have needed to be would be something that's somehow easier to use and easier to pull up on your phone than YouTube is. I mean, YouTube is just hitting a button and you're, you're going already. So I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I think another But you have to like search that, for something to find on YouTube, whereas with Quibi, it right. would be like Netflix where it's like, watch this next. So I could, I could see that appeal for sure. Well, I, and I would say one of its other competitors, granted, kind of a totally different thing, but like, I can imagine that especially in like 2019, 2020, people who were getting on the bus and needed to kill 10 minutes were going to TikTok. So like, there might oh, be yeah. some overlap there as well. You know, I keep forgetting TikTok is in the landscape. And I know we even just talked about the TikTok musical last week, but I keep forgetting because I'm not a big TikTok user, but like, it's a huge app. It's a big deal. People use it all the time. Yeah, it continues to be a big deal. You know, uh, we almost lost it to China, if if I remember correctly. It's apparently still around. So, you know, but I I think that's another competitor of Quibi's. I just I think on paper, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I get what they were trying to do. And I don't want to say it's a shame it didn't work. I don't think my life is any worse that because it didn't work, as opposed to like MoviePass, where my life is worse because it didn't work. But it was also a stupid business plan. R.I.P. MoviePass. R.I.P. MoviePass. Honestly, though, God. was it that stupid of a business plan? Because all of the different yes. movie theaters prior to COVID, they all adopted it. I think it was stupid for being independent, but not a terrible business plan. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. And again, this is clouded by the pandemic. But like, I was doing AMS. I was doing Stubbs A list until the pandemic hit and like not doing got not going to movie theaters became it that wasn't i think i might have actually canceled it so i canceled it right before football season started because i kept going to movies on sundays and then once football season started in 2019 i was like okay i'm not gonna be able to go to any more movies so i'm gonna cancel it but that was a good middle ground movie pass was like ten dollars a month and i saw at least four movies a month so it was just it was stupid it didn't make sense monetarily for them and that's why they they folded but quibi i don't know the price point you, you might you said before you know it's like it, a month of it is like hulu with with ads which yeah i don't know if that's as crazy or as good an economic proposition for the end user but i get the point i'm trying to make i guess is that it seems like a good idea on paper enter roku the news to get to, find, to finally get to the actual news of this is roku is nearing a deal to buy all the rights to all of Quibi's content. So Quibi, they obviously had to put out content when they put the app out. So there's still, I mean, there's still these shows that have Zac Efron, Sophie Turner. I don't know what they are, but that content is now kind of in limbo because apparently you can still open the Quibi app when you try to watch something. You no longer can because they've, I guess when they went bankrupt or whatever, they decided to just, you know, kill all of the ability to stream their content, which makes sense. But that content is kind of waiting in the wings for someone to step up and 
buy the rights to it and then it becomes their original content in a sense so i have a roku tv i don't know if do you guys have a roku i know you just got a new tv is it a roku tv do you have a roku is there any roku involvement in your house let me start we are full roku like the tv that we got is a roku Roku tv but we also have a roku box for our other tv and a roku stick that we kind of because we have like you know when 32 inch tvs were all the rage back in like dorms and stuff and so we have a like not a bunch but we have a couple of them so like we have one in like our gymmy type area not that we have a full-blown gym but it's it's our garage treadmill yeah we have a treadmill (laughs) um so we mounted one there but like we have a floating roku stick that goes where we need it to go for our random 32 inch tvs that are just scattered so i'm gonna i'm about to make you and probably other people upset we have one roku tv in our house but we don't so i got a, i bought a new tv that was bigger than our old tv and it just happened to be a roku tv i wasn't buying it because it was a roku tv we also had a fire stick that you know it's a 4k fire stick it has all of our apps already on it all of our login data everything all of our preferences already on it so when i got the roku tv i plugged the amazon stick fire stick into the roku tv so now whenever i turn the tv on i first turn it on and then on the Roku, I have to go over and to, to what they call it in the streaming box and say, let me use the Apple or the Amazon Fire Stick. Why are you like it's, this? It's really stupid. I, like, I will fully own this. It's really dumb. But A, I like Fire Sticks. I have no problem with Fire Sticks. And B, like I said, convenience. I, everything is already on the Fire Stick. Roku, I don't love the Roku interface. I don't have to like, redo everything, which just seems like a pain. Logging uh, in is certain a pain apps, in the butt. I'll give you that. And there's certain apps they don't have, I'm pretty sure, relative to Amazon. I mean, they I think they actually got HBO after Amazon did because of all that crap. Yeah, but, but I think, I'm trying to think what Roku wouldn't have at this point. Like, I'm all, don't get me wrong, like, Prime I have video, no problem for with one. Prime. Prime. No, video. but they have Prime Yeah, but they video. have Quibi. No, but we have <laughs> well, Prime Video. I watch Prime Video on my Roku all the time. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay, that I will admit I did not know. I feel like your mind just went, pow, pow. In, in, Well, in any case, I don't. I don't have a horse in this race. I guess is the point I was trying to make. It sounds like you guys do, but no, I don't I at all. I'm just saying you can take that fire stick and liberate it to one of your other TVs now. That is not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> the, what? You could take that fire stick, shove it. Oh no! Like I said, my parents use Fire TV. I really have no horse in the race at all. We I mean, just happen I'm, to gravitate towards one ecosystem. I mean, I might take that fire stick and shove it into another TV. Put I'll it be shoving it anywhere else. Yeah, put it in the port. Giggity. But. I don't know anything about the Roku channel. Apparently, there's a Roku app called the Roku channel that that's where this Quibi content will be going. And I don't know if either of you have ever watched the Roku channel. I don't know what the Roku channel would have it's if like, not for this Quibi deal. It's subpar free TV and movies, like a bunch of really old movies and not a lot of A-list. Like there are a few big movies from like the 80s and the 90s, but for the most part, there are a bunch of B-movies that you're not super excited to watch, but they're free. So maybe you'll watch it if you're super hard up and you don't have any other subscription service. It's that type of thing. I think the only thing we've ever done on the Roku, I think their live TV thing is easier to use than Amazon. And we just found it one time. We're like, oh, like there's like a, a channel that just plays old seasons of Survivor on repeat, which was like, we were like, oh, okay, let's do this. And like, it's it, and that's dumb because there's commercials, but like that's my exp- exposure to Roku. And that's different than the Roku channel, but in any case, they're in play to get this Quibi content. And honestly, I hope they get it. I mean, what's what's worse, 
Roku getting it and me not caring or this content never seeing the light of day because this app died because of COVID. I feel like it's pretty clear, but I also kind of just imported my bias directly into the story. I feel like someone is going to end up with it. I was surprised, honestly, to see Roku as the front runner. I thought for sure it would be one of the other dedicated streaming services and not so much Roku. Because, I mean, no one is in the Roku ecosystem for the Roku channel. You know what I mean? This isn't going to be like a draw or anything. You're either going to have Fire Stick or Roku. But that's just it, right? They're trying to get in that game and really, you know, I'm going to say it, diversify their portfolio. Right. You got to diversify. They they have to get in the game somehow. I mean, to me, I'm realizing that I have an implicit bias against Roku. So to all the Roku fans out there, I'm sorry. But like when you consider like Amazon and Apple who have their own streaming platforms and their own streaming hardware. And then like Google Chromecast has, it's kind of like married to YouTube in a sense. Roku to me is like the redheaded stepchild, right? Where like, they're like, yeah, we have streaming capability, but there's no like show up here and get other people's stuff because we don't have anything to give you when you actually get here, if that makes sense. So the thing is, because they're the leader in these these media devices, right? They're, They're not a lot of people are competing with the Roku media players. Once they start to get a foothold in the content, they can start to strong arm these other apps in order to to get them to, I guess, incentivize them to get onto their application, if that makes sense. Right. So it kind of like tit for tat of like, we'll give you the Roku channel if you give us Apple TV. I don't know. We'll support your app on our media device if you give us x amount of dollars is what i was getting at okay okay it even goes further than that and even like the hardware because roku has now as you mentioned they've expanded their reach into tvs and even sound bars at this point and the tv manufacturers for roku tv like there's not a specific singular manufacturer in fact some of the tv brands i think hisense tcl i think they kind of flip-flop back and forth between having a roku ecosystem or using the fire ecosystem and i think the more that they can also bring android to the table, too. oh that's right is that really prevalent yeah. i thought google chrome i don't know for whatever I, reason i feel like that like faded away a little bit so i have a high sense roku but i know high sense also dabbles with android tcl i'm pretty sure is entirely roku at this point Are but they? maybe i'm wrong about that I, I don't think i've ever seen a tcl tv that's not that's not roku but but yeah, Android, I would say it's fairly fringe. Yeah, in response to what you were what you were saying. So I mean, I think maybe they're hoping too that might help them get more exclusivity deals, so they don't have to worry from year to year whether. I mean, obviously they have TCL. It sounds like in the bag, but Hisense maybe they can try to like finagle their way into an exclusive contract. Because if you look at the the cheap TV market, especially, I mean, when people are looking at cheap smart TVs, your really only options are Roku TVs and fire tvs a little bit and as you mentioned android tvs a little bit but roku tv is like the dominant one at the moment and if they can like carve out that space as the budget smart tv man they kind of have a good thing going there it's actually kind of funny because i uh, recently was look my dad's big into tvs and he's like kind of snooty about tvs to be hey hey hi dad thanks for listening you're snooty about tvs he has an LG. He just got an LG TV that's like it's one of those like picture frame ones. Oh, like, like the QLED super fancy ones. Oh yeah, like top of the line. Like and it's like it's on the wall, but like it's so thin that like I don't even know how it's a TV. And like you can put it in like fine art mode where it just shows pictures and like plays classical music. It's a whole thing. But at one point, I was trying to navigate through like the smart TV features for reasons that I don't have to get into, and the interface 
was super unintuitive. And like, it just, it was crazy to me thinking about like Fire TV or or Roku, which is Roku's built right into the TV. It's like how much better that is on the budget TVs than like LG is like, no, we're going to use our own interface that's like to me notably worse. And maybe I'm just wrong, but it, it felt very unintuitive. I just found that very interesting. But Roku is buying Quibi or so it would appear. So they may be taking another step forward in the market. Sounds like Nerd Bomber and Technic are Roku enthusiasts. So bully for you guys, I guess. I mean, uh, hey, I'll take more content any day. I'm stuck at home. Give me more to watch. Right. Well, and that's what I was saying before is like better this than to have it mothballed. So we are all for it here at Online Warriors. In the interest of, of Twitter interaction, at Online Warriors 1, at OWLeo86, at OWNerbomber, at OWTactic, what camp are you in as a listener? Are you a fire a fire stick boy? Are you a Roku boy? And I should say, you could also be a fire stick girl or a Roku girl, but who you, who you repping smart TV wise? Let us know in the on the Twitter sphere. And let us know if you're one of the like three Quibi users, because I'd be curious about that. I don't really know anything about it. I mean, it's dead, so you're not really a Quibi user anymore, but you get my point. It's a quibber, is, is someone who uses Quibi. I think let that's... us know if if you're a quibber. <laughs> that feels wrong to say, so I'm, I'm going to move on to Star Wars. So Star Wars, the High Republic. Now, I, I you know, this there's this minute long trailer that got posted today. And I have to be honest, I'm still not super clear on what this is. I, it's it's books and comic books and all kinds of print media conglomerating into this one universe, which, okay, like I'm, I'm on board generally. What gets me super on board is the time period. Backstory City. Yeah, Backstory City. I mean, I've always felt... I don't want to get on the soapbox, but I understand why the Star Wars universe wants to do things like Rogue One, where they insert themselves into tiny gaps in time between two existing Star Wars, you know, episodes. Same thing with Mandalorian. Mandalorian's great. We've talked about how great it is. They've inserted themselves into a tiny gap of time when we know that there is in theory an infinite gap of time before episode one began in, in what I guess is being called the High Republic when Jedi not only existed, but you know, seemingly were plentiful and, and flourished as peacekeepers in the galaxy. And Coruscant was still this urban hub of all things urban. And the Sith were out there, but I guess not really a big deal, if that makes sense. It seems like a vibrant playground for creators to insert themselves into. And that Star Wars is just now getting to that, I think is a sin, but I'm glad they're getting to it. So I, I don't know. I mean, I've said my piece. Uh, I don't know. Tectic, you I mean, seem generally excited about this, but I don't. Yeah. I don't want to say that they're just now getting there. There's, there's from the comic book sense. There's plenty of backstory uh, in the lore of how certain Sith lords came to be and kind of what path they took. But well, have for, you ever heard the tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No, it's not one the Jedi would tell you. But my point <laughs> is, for it to be, and hopefully it's com- consumed in a way of the animated variety, because that that was my favorite Star Wars content then I'm here for it. I just, I have a hard time sitting still. And so while I enjoy comic books, I can't do the long haul and the animated variety gives it to me a nice fun bite-sized pieces. Right. So RE comic books, I guess. I don't know why or how or when I received it. It might've been as a gift, but I still have, when I was younger, I was super into Star Wars as you know, I'm still kind of into Star Wars, but I was like super into it when I was younger. And right around the time episode two came out, I got this I th- you'd probably you probably call it a graphic novel. I don't really know where the line is between those two things. Maybe Tactic, you could tell me because I would assume you'd be the person to know. But it was essentially a novelization of episode two in comic book form. 
and it was the it, it was and is the coolest thing ever. Uh, I still have it. I still read it occasionally because it's I don't know. It's like watching the movie, but you're also reading. If that oh yeah, they're like, absolutely fantastic. Worlds. But like I said, I just get antsy, so it's easier for me to have something on in the background while I'm doing other things. Right. Speaking about comic books in the more general sense, I've never been able to get into that. And, you know, I guess Star Wars might be the way for me to do that, but it is an interesting market move for for them. I mean, Star Wars comics, I would assume, already have a market, but it seems like this is a push of, like, we want the Star Wars comic book thing to be more of a thing than it is. And I'm very curious about that. I'm not sure what precipitated that move. So now backtracking on my original statement... The main things, I mean, you guys have called me the comic book expert. My favorite thing to do with comic books, period, is researching backstories. I, I find it like I'm learning something new and and just learning in general just excites me. I'm a nerd in that fashion. So for the precipice of this being a loaded backstory for characters that have been around a while and that we, we know and love and, and kind of to see where those timelines took us and how we got there this excites me in terms of what excites me the most if we want to take the conversation in that direction i'm so curious if you and if you couldn't tell based on me saying the sith i guess are not there who's the enemy or 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 is this as a comic and there there are novels too but i guess we're focusing a lot on the comics is this more of an episodic thing where kind of like the mandalorian every week there's something new going on and there's a different enemy and it's not just this overarching the sith are bad and there's always a master and apprentice blah 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 i think it's a growing force think about the time period and think about the the pivot of power right we had flourishing jedis and over time that number dwindled and dwindled and it wasn't this just this big bad enemy at once right it was this take this person out take that person out and over time the balance shifted toward the dark side and that's what we're gonna see let me nirbama we're gonna get to you i know you're very quiet over there let me tell you first what I don't want. And I don't think this would happen, but something that irks me in the Star Wars universe and even in like the Mandalorian and more recent properties, I don't want this to connect to the Skywalker saga in any way. I want it to be its own thing. I want more individual, independent, isolated stories. I want this to take place a thousand years before the Skywalker saga. I don't want anything to do with, you know, I I don't want them to answer the question of how Shmi became pregnant with Anakin. I mean, I'm not sure, A, that's a question that needs to be answered, and B, because he was the chosen one. I don't want to answer that. He was the chosen one. That's, yeah, that's supposed to be the, the mentality, but like, even if you want more of an explanation, I don't think it should come from what's supposed to be this big sweeping literary effort in another direction. But I guess with that line of question, questioning in mind nerd bomber what would entice you or turn you off about this project as a whole not to put you on the spot but kind of the thing that turns me off about this project is the very embodiment of the project itself i feel like (laughs) so (laughs) okay we've talked a lot about the comics but it is going to be as i believe they've said a steady stream of comics magazines adult novels, middle grade novels, young adult novels, kids books. That's just a lot. Like, Are you concerned about inundation? Concerned about inundation and also concerned about the fact that all of these things are going to be kind of intertwined and cross-connected. And I know that probably like the novels, will, the adult novels, I should clarify, will probably follow like one story thread while the comics follow another. But I feel like this whole thing is intended where you don't really get the full picture unless you read everything. 
And man, who's got time for that? <laughs> like well, that's, also, that's the thing that turns me off about this because every month there's going to be new content and we're already getting a slew of new Disney Plus Star Wars content and MCU content. And now there's going to be DC content. And my nerd capabilities and my nerd time just can't accommodate all of that stuff. Something's well, got to give. You run the risk, too, of if you're putting out that much content, how much of it can be good? Maybe that's a, fall- a logical fallacy. But like, I don't know. And, and you know, the other question is, if you're an adult reader, do you really need to be reading middle grade novels to, to like pick right? up that connection that have, I mean, I certainly would hope that they've considered the design challenge beyond that point so that you wouldn't have to do that. But it's, it's a fair concern. I mean, I did read, this was, I think right before episode seven came out, I read a book called, I think it was called Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. I'm just going to say right now, this is, this is a young, young adult novel. And yes, I am technically a young adult. I was too old to be reading this book. This came out in 2015. I guess I only would have been 23. I'm like on the fringe of probably their their audience. It was like if they took a Twilight book and made it exist in the Star Wars universe and forcefully tie into episode seven. I mean, I don't hate that. I still, I'll admit. I didn't care for the experience. I still read some young adult books and I think there should be a whole new genre. And I know there's been like a movement that there should be like a whole new adult genre that's a little bit older than young adult. And like, I don't hate that, but not every reader is going to enjoy that. And so if well, they if they don't handle the cross connection well and you are forced to read that and you don't like that, that's going to suck. Well, and to be clear, the young adult, and this wasn't the thing about it that I didn't like. The thing I didn't like was it was clear that they they probably went out and headhunted this Claudia Gray, who I don't know any of other work, and said, we want you to write a Star Wars, a Star Wars book that is basically like this other book that you wrote but it has to tie at the end directly into the events of force awakens because that's like what we're trying to do here as like a marketing thing i didn't like that and that's what i don't want them to do i don't want them to say okay we're going to come out with a star wars episode zero movie in five years and we want you to take us right to the precipice of that i don't want that and like you know if you have this many novels and magazines and like you said all these different things it just raises the chance, the more of those things there are, it raises the chances that they're going to try and do something goofy like that. And that doesn't appeal to me. But in general, I still love the idea. I still love the potential direction it could go in. It just needs to be careful not to weigh itself down. Like you, like you were saying with all the connections, potential connections and cross connections. And we have to, we have to think about Nerd Bomber's nerd time, guys. I mean, it's a finite resource. I know uh, I can't do have, everything, people. We all have finite nerd time. And uh, I think Nerd Bomber's nerd time is probably, she probably has more nerd time than a lot of other people. But she still doesn't have infinite amount. So Star Wars creators, High Republic people, you're, you heard it here first. Maybe rein it in a bit. I guess that's where we're going <laughs> to leave it. We are going to take a break now before we get into our third topic, which is uh, Microsoft slash Windows. But before we do both of those things, the break and the next topic, uh, it's that time of the episode again. Ben Checkness, here's to you, my friend. Ben has been supporting us on Patreon for quite a while now at the night level, which is our highest of three levels. And as a result, he is one of our producers and he gets a shout out on every episode. And this is that shout out. So thank you to Ben for supporting us for all these all these years and for all these episodes. Nice to have you listening again. I assume you're listening. Hopefully you are. If you want to be like Ben, you want to get this producer shout out, 
And if you also want to get uh, weekly input into the game segment, monthly access to the secret segment and vlog, you can uh, support us at the night level, which is the highest of the three levels on our Patreon support track. Second level is the Squire level, which gives you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And the third level is the page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So the details on that are over at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Go check it out. We'd love any support we can get. We thank Ben again for his support. And we will now take a short break to shout out a sponsor and be right back to talk about Microsoft. All right, guys, it's that time of year. New Year's resolutions, always trying to eat and snack a little bit healthier this time of year. And today's episode is brought to you by Kind Bar. And Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with real, recognizable ingredients, a disruptive notion that sparked the creation of a new healthy snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo, to shift the food industry, and empower their community and our listeners to make better informed choices about health. Kindness can be a transformative force for good, and that's why we're teaming up with Kind and Podgo to bring our listeners 10% or 15% off for military, teachers, students, first responders, doctors, and nurses. Go to podgo.co slash kind. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash K-I-N-D. Kind Bar, creating a kinder and healthier world, one act, one snack at a time. All right, welcome back to the main episode where we are now talking about Microsoft. You know, that big company that makes everything computery. Uh, and Microsoft is apparently here to say Windows is back. I didn't know Windows was gone. Yeah, but, I thought uh, Windows is still very staunchly ingrained in like most people's computers. Well, according to The Verge, Microsoft wants to say Windows is back, and they are doing so by planning, and I quote, a sweeping visual rejuvenation of Windows. So the story here, Windows posted, sorry, Microsoft posted a job listing recently for a software engineering role in the Windows core user experiences team, and I'm going to read the uh, job listing. On this team, you'll work with our key platform, Surface, and OEM partners to orchestrate and deliver a sweeping visual rejuvenation of Windows experiences to signal that our customers signal to our customers that Windows is back and ensure that Windows is considered the best user OS experience for customers. So worth noting, Microsoft has since quiet, quote unquote, quietly removed references to the sweeping visual rejuvenation. But we should talk about this. I mean, I haven't used Windows. I'm a Mac boy. So I haven't used Windows heavily in a long, long time. I know, like for me, their big quote unquote visual rejuvenation was when they did the whole tile thing. I don't then think that lasted very long. got rid of it. <laughs> yeah, that didn't last very long. And now they're back to kind of trying to keep some of that tiley stuff in the start menu, but otherwise it's just like same old windows, right? So, you know, we can talk about this in a number of ways. We can talk about, do we think that windows is in need of a visual rejuvenation? And if we do, what would that look like? Or what should that look like? I will start and say from a biased perspective, that the reason I have used Mac for as long as I have and will continue to is I do not care for the Windows experience. So for that reason, I think they could use a visual rejuvenation. Do I know what it is or what it should be? I do not. But you guys are both, I think you're actually recording this podcast on a Windows computer. So you guys are the experts here as far as I'm concerned. So as someone who came from a Mac to a Windows, because I did not enjoy the Mac experience... I'm here to say that, honestly, I don't really care what it looks like. I just want it to work with everything. And guess what? It provides. So they can make the graphical interface 
incredibly smooth and swooshy and all the stuff they tried to do with Windows 8 but failed miserably, as long as it's friendly with all my other applications, you guys do you. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I will say me personally, I mean, I've used Windows, Mac, and Linux. And in terms of the interface, I've actually, I do find Windows to be easier to use. They used to be easiest to use before they actually did their whole Windows RT, Windows 8 snafu thing when they, they made all the tiles. And for a while, they got rid of the start menu, which was a baffling, baffling idea. Like it, it existed, but it didn't. I don't really think they need an overhaul. It feels like they overhaul Windows, though, every few years. And every other iteration of Windows is a new learning experience. And I think the reason why you prefer Mac is because for the most part, the Mac experience has stayed the same. You don't have to learn anything new. And I don't know. That's that's one reason. Yeah, there's many reasons I don't have to get into, but that's definitely one. You're right. But like, I don't know the last time you used Windows. But it was probably, because you are a Mac user, it was probably much different than the time before that that you used Windows. And I, to me, I think that's a problem. I think Windows needs to find a little bit more consistency. I think what they have with Windows 10 is actually pretty good. It's the perfect blend of the modern tile feel that they're looking for from an app standpoint. So it works on tablets and touchscreens. But it also gives you the functionality that you need for a desktop computer. And I think trying to change it drastically at this point, like just leave it be for a little bit. Let there be another shift in technology that requires a change in the operating system. But until then, just stop. I think it looks fine. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I don't like change. To me, you know, it raises a question that you can take beyond Windows and beyond Microsoft and beyond Mac and anything, which is how much can you really take a user experience like the mac user experience hasn't changed for years and i don't expect it to change anytime soon the windows user experience has it it, it has undergone some visual changes but it by and large has stayed fairly stable for the past few years the question for me becomes have we peaked in terms of like does the kind of tile-ish format that windows has where like you said it it it's viable for touch screens, but also still works on a PC. Like, is that where it's going to sit or where it should sit until some vast technological improvement, like, I don't know, hologram crap, like minority report stuff happens? Yeah, I wonder if a change at this point would be a change for change's sake. Moving from tiles to circles would be one example that I would immediately think of. of like, look at this, they're circles, they're new. It's like, well, but does this improve anything or is it just visually different? I don't know if a change Everyone knows triangles are the future. Ugh. I just, I think they're also, like, they're thinking about the individual home consumer a lot in this too. But I feel like every time they change their operating system, that's got to screw with all of the businesses and corporations that use Windows as a basis. Because let's be real, not every single employee at every single company is going to be really tech savvy. And every time that you change something drastically, there's going to be a learning curve, even just like even if it's not major. Like, for example, when I hop from one computer, like I've got a laptop and I've got a Surface and we've got the desktop that we do the podcast on. And every time I hop on the computer, because I'm a weirdo and I don't like to sync my data across all of my devices, I just don't like it. But it's annoying when all of my shortcuts and stuff are in different places. And that's just my shortcuts. That's what I put there. Now you start moving around how people get to their applications and search functions and all that kind of stuff. People don't like that. People are not receptive to change. 
When it's not just not liking it, it's a recipe for disaster, right? Like, like you said, how many companies, corporations, businesses rely on Windows and... It adds time to every task if you have to relearn Windows. Well, and, you know, UI experiences shifting may seem minor, but for all we know, in the inner workings of a business, it's, it's, it's major in some way. I can, I can imagine those changes, butterfly flaps its wings and it becomes a hurricane kind of thing. So, I, you know, I, it sounds like we're all kind of landing in a similar spot on this, which is, no, just leave it the way it is. I don't know why a sweeping rejuvenation is needed, but it sounds like none of us really know what that would look like either. I said circles, but that was kind of a joke. Like, <laughs> That would be really dumb. I feel like if Microsoft was like, we're going with circles now, it wouldn't make any sense. What I picture, which granted is different than Windows, but like thinking about tablets, especially, you have an iPad, which has these square icons that you that you click and then the application opens here in the application. And from there, it's the application's job to do whatever it is that application is supposed to do. I'm not sure how it gets simpler than that, how it gets easier to use than that. And I am pretty sure the surface can be operated in, in a similar way. So I guess that's what I mean when I'm, when I say that maybe we've peaked until we get like holograms or like you wear the glove and you gesture around on your screen and things happen. Like until we get to that on a more mainstream basis, why change any of this? Unless you like are putting on a cleaner finish to make it look more modern or silver or something. You know what I mean? Every purchase of Microsoft Windows gives you a free AR glasses. Now that would that be true? dope. No, that's not yeah, true. That, He's making that up. But that would be that'd dope. Be good. They watched right. a tinkering with Tectic and got the idea. But that's what I'm talking. It, it would be something like that. It would be That's when they would want to roll something out that would be different because it would be then tailoring itself to a different medium as opposed to now, which is they seem to have PCs and tablets kind of under control with their current UI. I don't hear people complaining about them like they have done with past renditions. So I don't know why it's required. It almost seems like busy work. But again, Twitter sphere, we want to hear from you. Do you want a sweeping rejuvenation of Microsoft's user experience? Let us know. I guess why we're wrong, because it sounds like we're saying no. But also let us know what that user experience should look like or look more like than it currently does. That brings us to the end of the news for this week. We're going to roll out some What Are You Up To Wednesday. I'm going to start because I have a lot to get through today. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a personal admission. A couple of, of big life changes here. One, got an air fryer. Really, my girlfriend got an air fryer. Ooh, that's a big deal. This is a big deal. We've cooked with it twice so far, yesterday and today, and both meals have been borderline life-changing. This is one of those things, kind of like Hamilton, uh, when I watched it last year, I was like, I don't know if I get the hype. And then I, w- I watched Hamilton, or like I cooked with an air fryer, and now I'm like, I totally get it. I understand it. This is a thing. You should be involved in this thing. It's a, it's a thing, and it's not going to go away. So that's one thing. Another thing, on a personal note, I have made the switch. And Tactic, I'm going to want your input on this. I think, I'm, again, I'm two days in on this. I think I've made the switch from boxers to boxer briefs. This is, I don't even know how to describe it. It's been its been a whirlwind of a change. I received boxer briefs as a joke gift from my girlfriend's family, which, first of all, what a strange joke gift. I don't even know what the joke was. But I was like, what the heck? Free underwear. I'll give these a shot. And That wasn't I'm even like, the joke. They <laughs> washed them like, in COVID or something. Well, I mean, I hope that's not the case, but I also don't really know what washing underwear in COVID would accomplish. I'm like, I'm going on like 72 hours in at this point, I think. And um, this could be, this could be a permanent change for me. You know, my boxers are also really old. So this is probably, you know, it's probably a positive change in that regard as well. But I mean, fresh underwear, independent of elasticity is always a plus. 
Are you willing to answer on air whether you are a boxer or a boxer brief man or a brief man for what it's worth? The answer is is really yes. I have a <laughs> diverse assortment of undergarments and it's really what whatever fits my mood. So like I'll wear boxer briefs when I'm going for a run, but I'll wear boxers for just hanging out. No pun intended. <laughs> That answer was everything I dreamed it could be. Maybe I'll maybe I'll diversify my underwear portfolio too. I'll, I'll keep everybody posted because I'm sure everyone's going to be really interested. But aside from those two life updates, some brief, quick hitting things. I did watch Wonder Woman 1984, which we talked about last week. I teased that I was going to watch it. I did not like it at all. Uh, if anything, you guys made it sound better than it was. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go so far as to offer a warning to any of our listeners who are planning on watching it. You need to go in with your expectations basically as low as they can go. It would be my advice to, to all of you. Also watch Tenet, uh, which I think by the time this episode comes out, it should be available to rent. We actually bought it in my household. It was not worth the money. That was another pretty wide miss in terms of cinematic experience. Christopher Nolan, who I usually love, went a bridge too far. That's that's my one sentence summary of, of the movie. Kind of a mind bender, though. Maybe I just didn't get it. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Otherwise, I'm at 118 stars on Super Mario 64, hoping to have 120. By the time we record next week, I'll be on to Super Mario Sunshine. That's a that's the, the life summary at this point on my end. So we can turn it over to, to Tactic. What do you have today, my friend? So I don't know if I'm a weirdo or if other people also do this. You're uh-huh. a weirdo, but go on. <laughs> when, <laughs> when I play video games, I like to have two types of games, well, really three types of games, kind of all going on in parallel. I like me a long, very story-driven, really immersive game. I like me a quick, mindless game, and I like me a multiplayer game. And so I've got the multiplayer game on lock with Nerd Bomber. I've got my Jedi Fallen Order story-driven game, but I was just feeling something short, mindless, and quick. So wouldn't you know it, I booted up my old Steam account and played Sonic Adventure Battle 2, which, if you don't know, came out on the GameCube originally, and my goodness, that game is as good as it ever was. So, is this the one... I have to Google. You said Sonic Adventure 2? Sonic Adventure 2, yep. I had a Sonic game that I absolutely loved, and I'm going to see if it's the same one. Did you have a Chow Garden where you can raise Chow babies? Yes, and this is the one that Shadow... Yeah, I believe I had the same exact game. That game um, was amazing, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm looking at some screenshots. Did they have you said they did have it on the GameCube? Yeah, I had this game. Yeah. Uh this is a great game. It's my all time huh. favorite Sonic game. So I saw that it was on sale and I bought it and started playing it. Great game. Absolutely great I game. I never I have to admit, I never really understood the Chow Garden thing. That was that was kind of lost on me. Um It's just raising a little baby. I po- loved the I posted uh, my little boy on Twitter. I loved the machine battles. Where like I think Tails is Punchin the one that like, has the... Tails and Eggman, yeah. Tails and Eggman. I, Great game, I, I guys. I love those parts. It's really good. Yeah, 100%. The one downer about it is you have to buy... So it's... The game I bought is... The game is Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. But you have to buy Sonic Adventure 2 and then buy Sonic Adventure 2 Battle in Steam. That's the way they did it, which is, which is really dumb, but whatever. Go check this one out. Yeah, I, I, I'm like looking at the Wikipedia and it's like bringing back a rush of memories. And I, you know, it's funny. I think Tactic, you've talked about this game before on the podcast and it didn't. It's my favorite Sonic. Is... I'm, I will continue to talk about it. It is, it is to me what Metroid Prime is to you. 
it didn't click with me that this was the game you were talking about. But yeah, I, I played this game and I loved it as well. So double endorsement from the podcast. Go check this one out. I am curious though. Do, do you also play a short game and a long game in parallel or are you just a one game kind of person? No, I'm a one game. I'm a one gamer pretty much through and through. Like I'm probably going to, I'm, I'm not even sure. I have a bunch of games in the hopper right now. I have Tony Hawk waiting in the wings. I have squadrons, which I started and I'm now I'm playing through super mario i'm actually i'm already oversubscribed i don't even know like i might just go all the way through all the marios before i even go back to squadrons it's unclear at this point gaming's stressful isn't it <laughs> you know it really is it doesn't have to be but for me it is but yeah go check out Noldy. do what tactics doing it can't hurt it just hits good nerd bomber so one of the two things i'm still playing assassin's creed valhalla it's a really long game so i feel like that will be my main update for a while but we also got a chance to watch enola home finally oh and this was good I like yeah this movie it was actually pretty decent i don't know what i was expecting i put it off for a while because i think i just didn't want to be disappointed by a netflix movie but it was a lot of fun i think there were parts where it struggled where it didn't really know what it wanted to be at times it didn't know if it wanted to be like a, a spunky teen detective story or a romance type thing or right. a family introspective type deal but i think it was still a really fun movie and it kind of hit the spot i wanted something that was just like lighthearted and just a good romp and it was it was very fun my one complaint and i'm not going to spoil anything is it should have been exactly five minutes shorter like just clip out the last five minutes and i would have thought it would have been fantastic okay yeah i i know what you're referring to i I think I, I think I talked about this on the podcast when I first watched it. It's definitely it still has a bit of the mediocrity of of your typical Netflix originals, but it's definitely a cut above the actual mediocrity. I would mm-hmm. say, like, I totally agree that it, it it had trouble deciding what it was and it never really settled on one thing. But I think everything it did, it did reasonably well. If that if that makes sense, I'm glad you watched it. That was a good one. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm hoping, and I don't know if they'll ever do it because I know there oh, there's going to be a sequel. Lawsuit, but I hope there's a sequel. I feel like there has to be. I feel like they set one up. Not again, not to spoil anything, but mm-hmm. we'll see. So that was pretty much it for me. I just kind of cruised into the new year. Well, we'll be continuing to provide updates all through the new year, and we'll be pr- pr- continuing to provide quizzes for me to suck at all through 2021. And uh, we're adding a new feature to the podcast this year. Not a bug, but a feature. We're going to be tracking all three of our win-loss records this year in the quiz because I want to know just how bad at this I am in a more, you know, data-driven sense. So right now, of course, all of us are starting at at zero and zero, but I'm going to be like probably announcing this weekly, like where things are sitting, like who's got the most wins, who's got the most losses. But right now, clean slate. It's anyone's anyone's year. And Nerd Bomber said before we started airing, whoever has the worst record at the end of the year is going to, and I quote, have to do something. Yeah, so. if you guys have any <laughs> suggestions, because I don't really, I it's That's so early in the game that I don't really know what that something is. Nothing like dangerous or disgusting, but like something like they have to bake the two winners a cake or grovel or sing a song or something like that. Something slightly embarrassing, but not, nothing like gross, because I don't want to do anything gross if I'm the loser. Well, for right now, I would say... Loser has to do something is perfectly menacing and ominous enough for me. So I have vested interest in winning. Nerd Bomber will be hosting first because she won the meta quiz last week, of course. And the topic this week is, is it movies about snow or movies with snow in them or just all of just movies and snow? 
Movies like and snow is the topic for this week. And that's kind of generic. Most of these movies do have snow in them. I tried to keep it snow related like that. Uh, this is a really interesting one. The The movies aren't, they're kind of all over the place. There's not a specific genre that I pulled from because snow movies is not a very popular genre. There's a lot of like winter movies, but not like snow type movies. So can I ask this, a question before you start? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I feel very good because I know movies and I know snow. But if you don't have a question on here about the Nickelodeon movie Snow Day, do you remember this movie? Oh, it's on here. Thank God. Okay, I, I was gonna. I <laughs> what was about gonna, Jack like, Frost? A, Is Jack Frost on here? No, I tried to keep it away from like Christmas movies because we're past Christmas. We're in the new year. I figure just keep it like plain Jane Snow. I guess Snow, snow Day, Day kind of oh, is God. a little Christmassy, but not really. So it's a great movie. So this it's about is a guy be... made of snow, though. Right, but it was it was a hundred percent a Christmas movie. Also very depressing. Not that any of the movies that I have on here aren't depressing, but let's dock this showboat and get into it. I stole your thing, illegal. <laughs> That's fine. Consider the showboat docked. So this is going to be prices right style trivia. It's all going to be num- numerical based. If you go over, you bust. But whoever is closest without going over will get the point. And I have five questions and a tiebreaker. And these are very involved, my research on these. So I don't have an extra. So please don't tie past that. Tactic, let's tie. <laughs> G- gentleman's agreement. So I guess we'll start and we'll let Tactic go first. So Legal has a little bit of an advantage because I think it's been a while since you've won. Yeah, I'll take it. And the first question is Even about. I'm going to have to do something. <laughs> the first question is about The Mountain Between Us. This was a movie released in 2017 starring Kate Winslet and Idris Elba. And mm. it centered on their survival in the snowy mountain wilderness after they crash in a plane. What was the total runtime of this movie in minutes? You know, I saw this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you really? Yeah. I didn't see it. So you've, you've an advantage for sure. I think we saw this at the cheap shows, like the $2 cinema. I believe it was two hours and 15 minutes. In minutes. So I'm, I'm basing this on absolutely nothing because I didn't see the movie. Just based on what I understand the movie to be about, which is Idris and Kate are in a plane and it crashes and they're like in the snow and they're like, they're, they're trying to like figure it out. Ain't no way that lasts two, uh, over two By hours. By the way, that's it 135 miscalculator. Uh, it should not last for over two hours. How could people be stranded in the in the mountains for two or more hours and it be interesting? I'm going to say a cool 90. I know it's not that short, but I'm guessing it's somewhere between my answer and tactics. All right. So illegal, you do get the point here. It was 112 minutes long, so not quite two and a half hours or two hours and 15 minutes or whatever you said. Pretty close to two hours, close. though. Pretty close to two hours, but close. it's, it's, it's it stayed under. Plus, when you think about like the time the credits takes, it's less than that. But total runtime, 112. Oh, you so just counting credits. First of all, I'm starting off 2021. I mean, I logicked that. I haven't seen the movie. I, I just I just logicked that question. It was it's going to be a great year for me. I was very impressed with you just now. Well, get ready to keep being impressed. Give me, give me question number two. I'm going to kill this. So this one is actually kind of up your alley, maybe. The 2013 Disney film Frozen broke a ton of records. How many original scores were composed for the film by Christoph Beck? How many original scores? It's going to be less than a typical score because there was a lot of original music written by, you know, the other folks who did the musical-y stuff. So I'm going to say eight. 
look at me. I'm illegal. Logic, logic, logic. One. All right. So illegal gets this, Damn but you guys it. were both really far off. It was According, like 20 or something. It was 22. According to IMDb, <laughs> there were 22 scores composed for the film. And like they were probably, if you think about animated film scores, they're a bunch of like really short scores that kind of stack up across the entire movie. So 22 in total. But you get the point illegal no matter how far away you were. You see that tactic? I outlogic to you again. That's, that sounds unbelievable. All right, so, let's keep going. This is a 2 0 start with Illegal in the lead. And now we're going into his next favorite movie, Snow Day, a 2000 film produced by Nickelodeon about a group of kids trying to thwart their plow driver to get themselves a snow day. If you haven't well, watched this movie, by the way, pause the podcast and take it take 90 minutes or however long it is go find it i'm sure it's streaming somewhere you have to pay for it but it's worth it believe me and this this answer and question might sway you either way what is the current rotten tomato score for the movie snow day oh oh man it's not that good (laughs) like i love this movie uh oh i'm not first sorry tactic Tactic is first i I, I just gave you some information freely i'm gonna say it's a cool 65 percent. that's a really good guess i i I'm going to lowball it now, but just just because I'm playing the intervals, I'm guessing it's somewhere between 50 and 70%. So I think Tectic's guess is very good, but I'm going to say I'm going to say 20% just because I'm I'm playing the gaps. Man, you're really trying to win this year. You got this. It's 29% what? is the current Rotten Tomatoes wow. score for Snow Day. Is, Even if you guessed okay. with your gut, you would have busted. It's real bad. <laughs> it is way better. Okay, guys. The movie was I, good, serious. though. I remember really liking it when I saw it back Wait, how old were you guys when you watched it? I mean... Who, who cares? I don't it's amazing. Us, but... Probably like 11. I don't know. So like colors and movement would have gotten a really good score for you guys then, too. Okay. This movie is better than 29%. Okay. This movie is better than 29, but I, I will die on this hill. Not well, right now, though, because I already won. Yeah, I mean, you're dying is... on the winner's hill. You can't possibly lose at this point. Go for so. the clean you sweep. You don't die on the winner's hill, but yeah, I, I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to I'm gonna try and do a clean sweep. Let's do this. All right, so Snowpiercer is now a television series, but before that, it hit the big screen as a movie starring Chris Evans. What year did that movie come out? This is Bong Joon-ho, guys. This is the guy that came out with Parasite, which won Best Picture this year. He directed this movie. It's about a train that is always moving because the world is really cold, I guess. I don't know. I've never seen it. I just know it's a general premise. This is like, this is, Chris Evans like took some time off from Marvel to do this like while he was still doing Marvel. Which doesn't say much because he's been doing Marvel until like last year. But I, this is like, I'm, I want to say 20, I'm going to say 2013. Tactic has a grimace on his face. That feels like a bust. So I'm going to go 2005. Oh, no way. It's, it, I might be a little high, but ah, what do you got? So do you get extra points if you sweep? Like, do you get a bonus? Because you got that one right on the money illegal. 2013 is the year that that movie came out. Guys, this is my year. Okay, I I don't know. I I woke. I got up this morning. I thought this is a legal eighty six this year. I'm not going to do <laughs> anything else right, but I'm going to get these damn quiz questions correct. I'm going. You for the studied all day. You you were like, I'm going to get this. Going to read my encyclopedia of snow movies. Let's figure out what the clean sweep bonus is once I actually get the clean sweep because I don't want to give myself too much credit right now. Okay, don't want to put the. Uh chicken before the eggs hatch or whatever that that phrase is pretty pretty close yeah the cart before the horse whatever don't put the chicken before the the eggs yeah don't put the chicken before the eggs hatch let's let's finish this out 
All right. So Snow Buddies is a 2008 spinoff of the Air Bud franchise. How many entries have there been in the Air Bud franchise? Oh, man. Well, how many sports are there? Oh, wait, I'm not first. <laughs> Tactic, go ahead. I'm really eager because I'm doing so well. 22. Okay, that's way too many. Air, look, look, everybody's great, but he's not that great. Six. All right, so you you did it. You managed the clean sweep here. There were 14 movies in the Air Bud I knew franchise. it was a ridiculous Still amount, and many. I felt like yeah. I busted, but I would just wanted to go for it. There was like one for every sport... Then there was, like, there were several Snow Buddies movies. Then there were, like, Santa Paws Buddies. There, They had a lot of them. I think they finally stopped making new ones, but there are a lot of them. So really, I mean, 14. Look. Holy cow. Airbud goes hard. Airbud had a lot of kids, a lot of Snow Buddies, a lot of, a lot of Santa Paws Buddies, you know. Good for Airbud. And I, look, I, I we'll have to talk about this offline or, or on Twitter. What should my, what's the reward for a clean sweep? Let's institute that rule. I don't know what nothing. it is right now. It's nothing. Tactic says nothing. Everyone else log your votes <laughs> over on Twitter. I think it uh, deserves like a half point in the win tally. Like I feel like you should get like a like a special no. bonus. So if there's a tiebreaker at the end, then you'll be able to like boost yourself. Do you know what I mean? I'll 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 mark myself down as one to know with one perfect game. And that might be turn into a useful st- statistic. I was more thinking like someone has to like, like we all have like little kazoos. And when I, when I get a perfect score, someone goes on the kazoo or something. Like something I don't stupid, have a kazoo, but, but I have a whoopee cushion. Uh, not quite what I was, had in <laughs> mind. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out the audio visually. The whoopee cushion is for when you get clean swept. Right. Or maybe well, someone, sense. someone go record the sound of a, a broom brushing and sweeping the floor. That would be a really audio, like an interesting audio clip to put on the podcast. We'll, 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 we'll put, put something together, maybe do it in post, etc. Maybe just do it next time someone gets a clean sweep. But uh, 2021's off to a great start for yours truly in the quiz department. And the podcast is off to a great start in 2021 with quite an episode to kick things off for this year. So we thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here. It's been a pleasure to be here. Hopefully you will come back and join us next week. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your pets. I don't think they can listen to podcasts, but they might tell somebody else or tell another pet who will tell their owner, et cetera, et cetera. Word of mouth. It's a very important thing. They want to know uh, all about the Airbud franchise. They might want to know about how many Airbud movies there are and also how to watch them. So tell everyone, you know, if you liked what you listened to, go head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the Twitter sphere of course, is still Twitter sphering. Hit us up there as well. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next week. Have a great week. Have a good one.